Yeah. That's a good one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, good morning again, everyone. I'm glad there's such excitement in the air this morning. Anticipation. Beautiful Thanksgiving's on the way. Amen. Lots to rejoice for and be happy about. Amen. Breakthroughs are coming. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Right on time, Elijah. Man, that was like perfect. Perfect, perfect. All right, you must be tuned in this morning. All right. Well, welcome this morning. I don't mean to yell at you as uh, Ben kind of gets the sound ready to go there, so it doesn't feel like I'm kind of, the sound waves are like blowing you over, but uh, praise the Lord. Uh, He likes it really loud sometimes, so praise, amen. Amen. Loud is good. Loud is always good, right? Sometimes God speaks to us in that way, the thunder. Amen. When you're not wearing hearing aids, yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah? So it's got to be loud sometimes. Amen. Well, good morning. It's, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited this morning uh, to share the word of the Lord with you. And uh, as you'll see this morning unfold, uh, God is really uh, bringing me to a place of better understanding of what we're doing here. Amen? And uh, I've got a couple questions for you this morning. How many of you believe that you're here in this place by being appointed? Do you? Do you really? You're not just raising your hand. According to the Word of God, He appoints those into the body as it pleases Him. So did you know that you're in agreement with the Word of God? That's a little outside of my realm of understanding, so I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just want you to know you're in agreement with God when you, when you agree with His Word, and it's in that place where He's able to move into some brand new places. Amen? You know, the 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says, In fact, the body is not just one member only. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, right? I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the body. It is therefore not a part of the body. The whole body, if the whole body were an eye, where would the the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Verse 18, but God has set the members of each one of them in the body just as it pleased Him. Sometimes we get focused on what other people are doing, the favor that seems to be on others. Grass is always greener on the other side kind of thing. You know, I think it's natural for humans to do that. But according to the Word of God, when you settle in your heart and you settle in your life, no, I'm in the place God set me to be. I'm, I'm inhabiting the place God pre, preordained ahead of time for me to walk out who I am in Christ. When that's settled in your mind, 
when the trials come and when the places of doubt come and the hardship comes, it is so much easier to walk through. Because one, sometimes people think that, well, can't be that hard somewhere else. And they pick up and move. Amen? Are you listening? In light of tabernacles, we had a word that it's time to grow up. When I hear words like that, I don't know what you do, but I internalize those things. Maybe sometimes, I think there was a time in my Christian walk where every word that came in places of direction that I had to do something was for the person sitting beside me. Right? It wasn't for me, it was for you. It's time for you to grow up. Right? But you know, the older we get in Christ and the, the better, the more intimate the relationship is, we begin to understand that He's saying things like that because He wants to bring us to a new place and a new level. And we have responsibility in it. So in the light of tabernacles, I've thought a lot about what is going on. I want to share with you today in Matthew 7.13, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Narrow is the way and difficult. He's telling us right up front. In or, and the path that leads to real salvation and real change and, and real transformation, real the things of God, the miracles of God, they're not going to come by walking that wide path where we have no responsibility, where it's always somebody else's project, always somebody else's fault, always somebody else's initiative. No, he said the narrow gate. It's narrow. Sometimes it's really hard to get through. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes you have to turn sideways and, and position yourself differently to get through. Sometimes there are decisions that need to be made that are hard decisions. And he doesn't mix words here. He said it's difficult. It's hard. It's not easy. It means that you have to make a decision beforehand to stay the course and to determine that you're not going to be denied in the place where He's planted you. He said, this way leads to life, and there are few who find it. I get concerned about words like that, because am I one of the many that haven't found it yet? And so I start assessing my relationship with Jesus. And I start finding myself wanting to do more things like be in His presence all alone with no distractions so I can hear all over again. Oh, He loves me. Oh, why did I forget? Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. I'm created you're created. We're created together to do a work in Christ, to do a work in this region that God predestined beforehand and He called it good. He called it wonderful. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's on this journey that the Word says we're to bear fruit. I've been thinking about the fruit that's in my life recently. 
And Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, He said, you'll know them by their fruits. It says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree bears a, 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 a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I hope you're not listening this morning and saying to yourself, "Well, that message is for that person or this person." Because we're in a season of tabernacles of soberly thinking about what was released. And when God says it's time to grow up and move into your destiny, I want to make sure that we approach that move in a right way. Because we could arrogantly think about, well, I'm bearing fruit. I'm a fruit bearer. Look at all the fruit in my life. But Jesus said to the people that came to him, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we, didn't we give to the poor? Didn't we do all these things in your name? God, how can you say you didn't know me? How is it that you say you didn't recognize all these works that I've done, all these wonderful things that I've spent my entire life doing? How did you say that you never knew me? How is it that you can say you didn't, you didn't accept those works? And he says those works were good. But you did it for someone else. You didn't do it for me. You did it for the God of self. And so I've been thinking long and hard about, all right, if it's time for me to grow up, what do I need to think about that's going on in my life that needs to go away so I can make room for the new? Amen? Amen. Sometimes the word is like an ouch. Ouch! Ouch! But He loves us enough to make sure that the relationship that we have with Him is destined to be upward and that we don't trick ourselves all the way through our life just to find out that we're one of those individuals where Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. Go to your place. And it's not heaven. I want to be one of the ones who everybody I know, everybody I fellowship with, everybody that I have experience with is going to heaven and not hell. And so when we come out of the places and the seasons of tabernacles, we're in a season right now of really thinking about what we have, what, who we are, what's important to us. What do we think about? Where do our energies go? Am I bitter? Am I angry? Am I resentful? Do I find myself critical? Do I find myself agreeing with the critical spirits about all kinds of things? Or am I casting those thoughts aside and partnering with the thoughts of God that's love, that's joy, that's peace, patience, gentleness, long-suffering, you see, when I start thinking about the critical things, accusations against me, or ways I perceive other people, God said I'm supposed to be a fruit bearer, not the judge. Amen? 
We must ask ourselves, where, where do we spend our day? In the soul realm? In self-justification? Tricking ourselves or growing, uh, or, 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 or growing in doing what we're placed here to do? It's a sobering time. It isn't about self-justification and figuring out, well, I'm right with God, and here are all the reasons why. That's self-justification. And then he tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So I've been thinking about what I've been deciding on, why I'm doing the things I'm doing. And the Word of God tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. It's impossible. In other words, there's nothing that you can do outside of faith to bring a smile to the heart of the Father. There's nothing we can do to please Him, to have Him accept us, to have Him, to have him move heaven based on our prayers. It says without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word says that we should come prepared to give and be a part of the body. And I've been thinking about what have I brought to the body and sowed into? Am I a consumer? That all I do is take away? I go to Sundays to... To, to receive something without ever giving anything away, without ever loving on people, or without ever touching people, or without re- ever releasing the word of heaven to see people set free or healed. So I'm asking you, what did you bring today? What did you bring to the body of Christ today as we've assembled in a place called Praise Chapel? You've all agreed that you're, um, you're a part of a many-membered body and every joint supplies, every joint is critical. I can live without a leg. I had my, le- my leg was amputated years ago through an accident that took, almost took my life. I've been <clears throat> in the hospital several times, doctors not knowing whether I was going to make it through the night. And yes, People can go through life without parts of the body. You can function that way, but it's hard. There's something missing. It makes life more difficult. It makes life more challenging. There are certain things in your life that you have to change in the way you do them because you don't have the same level of freedom that you once had. Getting in and out of the shower. Getting in and out of the pool walking through the river in the water. There are certain things that I have to change in my life because I don't have a full leg. I've learned to function. Most people say, well, I never knew that, Sean. I never knew you had a missing leg. Well, that's fine. I've learned to function. But that's not how the body of Christ has been designed by heaven. To learn to function without certain members. So what did you bring today? We're coming into a season of time in this coming year where God wants to explode upon the bride of Christ the blessings of heaven. And the only way that's going to happen is for every single member 
to be busy about uh, fulfilling their destiny. Why you were sent to this house. Who are you in this house? What giftings do you have? What giftings that do you not have yet, but God wants to release? And the growth and the opportunity. God wants His house to flourish in every direction. And so the question before us, if we're to grow up and become mature, when we were children, our needs were pretty well taken care of. And we could expect to get up in the morning and be clothed and fed and taken care of. We could expect to maybe live in a warm place. We could expect to interact with others without a lot of responsibility. We could expect to go certain places and do certain things without it costing us anything. But as you grow up and you become mature, you find out that life isn't free. Salvation is free. But the gifts of God come as with responsibility. And so that's where we are today. The tabernacle message, because uh, he is so passionately in love with us, wants us to move on to greater places. It's time to grow up and to become mature, not like the little children expecting to have all their needs taken care of, as I've just said. There's still an invitation going out for us to grow up. There's still an invitation for us to mature and find places. Do you know what is written of you in the books of heaven? Do you know what God thought about your life before He formed you in the mother's womb? Do you know the thoughts and the, and the destiny that He laid out for you and what you would be doing? We just heard. Difficult is the way. So we can't judge whether or not we're fulfilling our destiny by determining how easy or hard it is. Can't do that. You can't determine what your destiny is by trying to figure out, well, there doesn't seem to be any open door here, so I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to sit here and wait. That's not what the Word says. Do you know what your invitation is out of tabernacles? Have you asked yourself, why am I here in this place in this time? You know that you're appointed. You know that you're supposed to be here. But why? So what will our walk look like? What will we be doing? What's along the way to encourage us? What has been placed in this geographical area as a foundation or a witness that I can tap into and lay my agreement by the Spirit with? What are the places of resistance that need to be overcome? Do you know what the strongholds are in this area? Do you know what the, what the places are in this area that need to be spoken of by the Word of God and transformed? Do you know what the principalities and the powers are over this region? Do you know? How did God design this region to display His name? And how can we see it and be a part of it? How is it that we can perceive it and know His plans? What's unique about this place that we've been planted that's straight from the heart of God? 
I'm talking about this region now, this geographical region. There must be clues all around us that we just don't have the sight to see yet. But a place and a time of tabernacles, God wants to release understanding. God wants to release His Word. God wants to make known the changes that He wants to make through you as an individual and the way you perceive this upper valley, the way you think about how you're driving upon the roads, the way you think about the resources that are given in this area. How God designed this area and, what, and, and how it speaks to who He is and the work that He gave us to do. By getting up above and looking down on the geographical area, we can begin to understand the plans of God. And this is on the, on the back projector. There is a, a map of the upper valley. It's a, like a satellite image, like you've sent a drone up and you took a shot of the upper valley. It's the upper, it isn't the whole upper valley. The upper valley maybe goes 20, 15, 20 miles radius in every direction. This is just pretty much what we think of the core upper valley, where we're living. And we see that, first of all, there's an interstate going through it, and it's called I-89. You've all been on it. You've all traveled it. If we start to think about the walls of the city, we start to think about where are the walls of the city in the day that we're in. We're supposed to be the individuals that hang out at the city gates. The city gate in the, in the time of old was the place where the elders would meet. It was a place where commerce was, was done. It was a place where information was exchanged. It was a place of relationship. It was a place of where the judgments was made. It was a place of protection for the city. It was a place where the rulers hung out there. It was a place of protection. In other words, I believe that God is rebuilding the walls of our city. And He's asking you to, to be upon the walls under your anointing and your favor and your giftings and your callings and watch out for the things that are coming and going in and out of the region that don't have the authority and they don't have the right to be there. And if we start to understand our region and we start to understand how we're going to grow up in Christ, how we're going to become mature, We've got to understand the region we're in. We've got to understand the work that we're asked to perform. We've got to understand, I'm bringing something. I'm growing up in Christ, and I'm using my relationship with Christ to display His kingdom. And when something's going on in His kingdom that isn't quite right, I'm anointed to change it. A lot of people just point out problems to other people. We have this saying at work, don't come to me with a problem. Don't come to me with what is wrong, expecting me to fix it. If that's all you have to give, then don't come to me. Come to me with a solution. Come to me with an idea of how to make it better. Come to me with the responsibility and the mantle and the authority that you've thought through and you're convinced that if, if you're able to do this, 
there will be a different outcome to change the circumstance. That's the season we're in right now. Little kids just point out problems to other people and expect other people to fix it. Adults will see the problem and find a solution. And if it's big, they'll go to the other people and say, hey, this is what I think I should do. What do you think? And submit it. That's adulthood. That's authority. That's growing up. Because we're not supposed to be satisfied with living in a city where the enemy comes and goes at will. And where the strongholds continue to be maintained over a region without being challenged by the Word of God. So we have this city here. We have this upper valley. 89. If you add 8 and 9 together, it's 17. And in, in the Word of God, there are some numbers that are, are very significant. There are times in the Word where certain numbers in the Bible will, ha- will carry a certain meaning and a certain purpose. And by understanding their meaning and understanding what God thinks and how He orchestrates heaven and earth to speak to us. So in this case, 17 is overcoming the enemy in complete victory. Do you understand? There's an interstate here. And there are gates to this city. And God is saying, I formed this city. I thought about this city before it was. And I ordained this place for my sons to grow up in. For the children of God to take on the responsibility. And I'm telling you, they will overcome the enemy and there will be complete victory at the gates of the city. Amen? Are you with me? And next we have on the the projector I-89. I-91. Goes in the other direction. It makes a cross right in the middle of the city indicating that it's a work of God. Nine and one is ten. Ten represents divine order being reestablished. Perfection, order, and completion. So now we have a second double witness of the gates of this city are ordained by God and they belong to God. Amen? Amen. Next, we have another one on the back wall. There's Route 4. It's highlighted in green. Route 4. 4 represents totality of creation. North, south, east, and west. It represents the works of God. Meaning that God's not going to be happy with just taking part of the city. He wants it all and everything that there is. Everything that God has created is going, to, is going to worship Him. Is going to be used for His, for his for, to, to reveal Himself in His creation. Amen? I'm going to speed up a little bit. Next there's Route 5. So we see Route 5 going north and, north and south. And Route 5 is divine grace and favor and redemption. God expects there to be at the gates of this city divine grace and favor and redemption and restoration. That means when our children or our family members or the people or even ourselves, when we find ourselves outside the will of God, outside the favor of God, 
That means there's redemption. That means there's a cleaning up. That means there is still an invitation to come and to be part of what God is doing. Amen? Favor, redemption. Next, we have 12a. 12a uh, turns into root 10. So 12 is governmental perfection, authority. And I've already told you 10 is divine order being reestablished. So here once again, there is a message that is being told at the gates of our city by the inroads coming in and out. What ought to go on in this city? Divine governmental perfection. That means when there are things going on within our government, out of this region will come an impartation to put back into right order the things that are not. God has ordained this place with certain strengths, certain predestinations, certain powers and authority. And He's asking the children to grow up into that anointing, into that authority, into that power. We keep going. Route 14. 14 is a double measure of spiritual protection. That's what 14 means by the Word of God. And you happen to be called to a place in a small sanctuary in Hartford Village that has a road called Route 14. You happen to be called by the wisdom of God to fellowship in an area where God intends there to be a double measure of spiritual perfection, deliverance, healing, and release. Do you know why you're called to this place? God created this place before you were born. It was in His thoughts and in His imagination. And He said, there's going to be a place that's anointed by My Spirit and My sons will find it. And they'll learn to understand Their eyes will be opened through seasons of time where I visit them and I impart to them the things they don't understand, but yet they need to in order to move on. I've got to keep going. Route 120. It's part of the upper valley. Divine appointed time of waiting. Is what there were 120 in the upper room, and they had to wait there. They had to wait there for something that they did not know what was going to happen. Now we have the benefit of looking back and seeing what happened, but in our day, we don't have the benefit of knowing what God is going to do in the future. So we're in a season of preparation. We're in a season of training. We're in a season of impartation. We're in a season of healing. We're in a season of growing up. We're in a season of becoming the sons of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Next, we have four rivers. We've got four rivers in this upper valley. Go figure. We've got the Connecticut River, which is the main waterway that separates the two states, but we've got the White River, the Ottaquiche, and the Mascoma. What do rivers mean in the Word of God? 
Why would God put four rivers in this valley coming in from all directions? What is there that we've got to understand about the geographical area and what God is saying about you and your story and what is written of you in the books of heaven? Why are you placed in this place? All of creation, including the upper valley, is testifying of the works of God about how He assembled a region and what He's going to do in that region with the people that are drawn to His heart. Rivers of life. Rivers in the Word tend to mean something associated with, a t- with time because rivers are, in- are unstoppable. Who can man stop any river? They can dam it up, but after a while, right? It's, the rivers can't be reversed. So the thing that God prepared ahead of time to happen in this region cannot be reversed. They can't be undone. They've got to be fulfilled. Speaking of God's never-ending blessing are the rivers, the life, the refreshing, the strength, the vitality, water that testifies to spiritual cleansing, spiritual new life, spiritual change, spiritual healing waters for ourselves and also others. The waters speak of the abundant and the constant things of God that are without end. And we happen to be in the middle of a region with four rivers coming in that testify, remember the garden had four rivers in it. So even all the way back to the garden, rivers were important to God. He wanted them to testify of His Word, of the cleansing power, of the, of the vitality of a river. And we can read in, in, at the end of Revelation how important the river is. We'll get into that later in a little bit. So we have rivers. We have two trains, two train lines. When you think about train rails, now the train that goes to the, the tracks are still there, but it's been discontinued. They're wearing out. They're tearing the tracks up and they're using the bedways for another purpose. But so what? <coughs> Excuse me. The trains often follow the rivers. Trains testify of God's ways in order for... Testify, if you think about a train, in other words, a hundred-car train, you have the locomotives and then you have all the cars, they're in order. One doesn't run ahead of another, right? They're methodical. There's purpose. How he lays out things specifically and does things in orderly and sequential fashion. The trains transport huge amounts of valuable cargo. There's labor in pulling the long train and involves powerful locomotives. Most of the trains in this region include several locomotives to pull the long set of cars behind them. Testifying again in the witness of God that it doesn't, it's not supposed to rely on any one person. There are many members to the body of Christ, and each one has got to supply. And if one engine of the four say, I just am too tired today, I'm going to relax and you're going to have to pull my load, 
then that puts the load on the remaining engines. And that's not how it was supposed to be. And if it gets down to one engine, there's a danger. If it gets down to just one engine pulling a hundred cars all loaded up with material and ready to go someplace, now there's danger. Because that one locomotive likely does not have the stopping power to control what's trying to run ahead on a downgrade or the power to pull up on an incline. Now, who are the locomotives? They're the leaders. You're called to be leaders. You're called to, be, you, to receive an impartation by the growing up into sonship to be able to stand upon the wall and declare the Word of God. So that the trains behind that are not saved, that are the unsaved, that are just along for the ride because they haven't been introduced to Christ yet in the spiritual places of heaven. Amen? In this case, the trains follow the river, and this is an invitation uh, to take on the labor of the heavy moving by His Spirit. There are so many times people try and do huge things through the soul, brute force and human effort. But the Word of God tells us that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. And there's no surprise that these two train tracks follow rivers right beside them in their journey through the upper valley. Because things are supposed to move according to His Spirit. And a lot of the body of Christ today thinks that it's by their own effort that they're supposed to move, and that's tiring and it's wearing people out. And you burn out within years. And you destroy yourself and you just come up with all kinds of problems. The tracks are there for a reason. But the river is greater. The river of God. Amen? Then we keep going and we have three hospitals. We're a pretty small community in the upper valley and we have these gigantic hospitals that are unprecedented for a small area like this. And some of these hospitals are known worldwide. So we have Dartmouth-Hitchcock and APD in the VA. All three of those hospitals. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? What's going on at these hospitals? Why are the hospitals in this region, in every place they could be, they could be in Nashua, they could be in Boston, could be any place, but these, ho- these hospitals are, are dramatically oversized for the region that they serve, yet their beds are mostly full all the time. What does that speak? Hospitals, a place of restoration, a place of healing, dealing with internal issues, a place of trust, hope, submission. I've had a lot of surgeries in my life, and I've got a lot of scars to show. And when I go in and have back surgery or shoulder surgery or any other surgeries I've had, I've got to trust that that doctor knows what he's doing. And I put my life in his hands, though my life is really in God's hands, operating through this doctor. And there's got to be a place of trust. Hope. New life, new beginnings, a completion. uh, and, And there's also death. 
Three hospitals are there because God appointed this region to be a place of healing, a place of restoration, physically and emotionally. There's an anointing in this place that the hospitals have just agreed with. That they're constructed in a place in the upper valley that God ordained before time and He said there will be a healing that is an increased anointing in this place to accomplish healings in spiritual and physical and emotional healings. We're going to move on. There's an airport. There's the Wilder Dam. There's Dartmouth College. What does the airport speak to you? Why is this little tiny airport that barely keeps itself alive that nobody really uses, that nobody... What does it speak to the region from God's heart and God's perspective? Why is it there? The city of Lebanon has thought about closing this thing down for as long as I've been alive. They've thought about expanding it to make it bigger, to be more prosperous. They've thought that all, all these things... But this airport is still there. What does it speak to the heart of God? What it speaks to me is Jacob's ladder. There is a taking off into the, and, and going into the heavenly realms to see what's on God's heart. And then there is a coming back to the earth to release within this valley God's Word. To me, the airport, new arrivals and departures, travel or new life path, Change, transition, adventure, achieving goals, new things, new opportunities, new relationship. An airport can also represent starting or finishing a project or a plan. This is Jacob's ladder where the sons are learning how to take off into the freedom and the unrestricted power of the Spirit filling up with the things of heaven that are above, the throne of God, His will, His intention, reading the books of heaven, and then coming back to land on the runway into this valley and releasing the things of God that what is in heaven becomes to be on earth. Amen? That's what, that's what airports represent to me is an opportunity as a son to go into heavenly places to hear his heartbeat, to hear what he's passionate for, that there is an exchange between he and I, you and him, that you become to know and understand his heart and why you're here and how to grow up as sons. Wilder Dam, it's generating power. No. Generating power. And do you know that power is transmitted out of this region and affecting other regions of the Northeast? What does that speak to you? What does that cause you to think about? In other words, when you pray for the nations, there is power that goes along with it and it produces the fruit and the change that is necessary in a little tiny place called the Upper Valley. Dartmouth College. Amazing! We have an Ivy League school right in our midst. How incredible! 
is this region that God designed. It's a place of learning. It's a place of training. It's a place of equipping. A preparation. In other words, if you live in this region, God intends you to be equipped. God intends you to be trained up. God intends you to give yourself to the time and the effort required to grow up and to be a son of God. Sons being front runners in terms of understandings and breakthroughs. What goes on at Ivy League colleges tend to lead industry, tend to be breakthroughs, tend to be breakthroughs in medical and, and physical and, and economics and, and uh, places of engineering and electrical and mechanical. They tend to be breakthrough. That's where the learning takes place and the creativity of the mind to understand things and to release them into the earth. Not intellect only. It's not about intellect. Don't say to yourself, I've got to go to Dartmouth College and sign up for some courses. That's not what God is saying here. He said, if you live in this region and you've been called to this place, this is what I have ordained to take place in your life. Constantly growing up into the new knowledge and the things of God because He is the endless and uncontainable full beyond measure of the richness of His love and mercy. And God knows that without knowledge, people perish. So let's look at even closer. I've just taken you through a couple things in the upper valley. There's a busy map up on the board with all the roads and all the rivers and all the things that God speaks at least to me about of why these things are here and what kind of anointing is in this upper valley and what's in his heart when he thinks about this region and what he wants to do and what he wants to make himself known at and how the sons need to be up on the wall of the city, on the city gates, working with the Spirit of the living God to make sure that this city glorifies God and everything that happens in it, everything that comes into it, We've got everything that we need. Amen? Let's look at even closer. This property on it has several springs. Up on this side hill in the back, I brought, a year and a half ago, I brought a message about this. I'm not going to go through the whole message now. But this property has springs on it. There are four or five springs up there that were put there years and a couple of generations ago. Because there was water up there that God placed here before the foundations of the world. And his heart and his mind and his understanding like the train, he's very methodical about his plan. He doesn't all of a sudden come on the train track and say there's a tree across and all of a sudden want the train to take a right-hand turn. doesn't that way. He removes the obstacle. And in this case, there are springs up on this signifying, again, remember what water is. It's life. In the Spirit, there's opportunity. And it's coming out of the ground, and it comes down this hill, and that's one of the springs there. And it's caved in now, and it's probably about six or eight feet deep. And the, the springs used to all be connected with a piping system, and it used to feed the town of Hartford with water. And that's where the water from the town of Hartford came from some of these springs. There's another one there. That one's about 20 feet across. It's been filled in because several years ago, 
The town of Hartford didn't want to have the responsibility of owning these things and having animals and people fill in there, so they built a road into the place or reestablished the road, and they filled it up. But off to the side of it, there's still water coming out of the spring, coming down this hill, in the, right in the back of this church. There's another spring. It's under the, you can just see the parts of it. It's right here. A concrete foundation. And the water is coming out here and running down this river here. And that's one of the rivers that comes down this side hill. And if you turn around from that picture and face the other direction, you can see how close the church is. You can see the close proximity. It's directly up behind this building, just like 100 yards. When we built the sanctuary, this sanctuary had ledge that we had to uh, bring in hammers and remove the ledge. But we had to deal with the water somehow. Sometimes water is a difficult thing to deal with because of the different seasons of time. And this is a six-inch pipe right outside the main entry door uh, in uh, a little ways to the parking lot. And so you can see it. The six-inch pipe is down here. And there's the door. And that pipe goes underneath the sanctuary and attaches to the other side of the building uh, where there is a catch basin and much of the water for generations used to come right down the hill and go right through. And we didn't change that. We just gave it a path to go through now instead of going through the sanctuary. It goes under the sanctuary and allows us to meet here and so on. And it goes down into the White River. Now, I want to bring your attention to Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47 says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east, and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south to the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the side of the outer gateway that faces east and there was water running out on the right side. And then, and when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured a thousand cubits and he brought me through the waters and the waters came up to his ankles. So after a thousand cubits, ankle deep. Again he measured 1,000 cubits and brought me through the waters and the waters came up to my knees. So 1,000 cubits ankles, 1,000 cubits knees. Again he measured 1,000 cubits and brought me through the water and came up to my waist, came up to his waist. Again he measured 1,000 cubits. So the fourth time the 1,000 cubits is measured, the river was so big and so vast that it could not be crossed. The water was too deep and one must swim in it. The river that could not be crossed, he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And the story goes on. Read Ezekiel 47, because it agrees with the word that I've just told you about what this, the anointing that God has placed over this region with the rails, with, uh, um, with the airports, with everything that I've just said. Now I want to bring your attention so there's the White River. Uh, it's down just north of the bridge. right? There's, there's one of the bridges. 
Uh, that's a, a thousand, another thousand, so that's, you know, deep. So here we are. Here's Praise Chapel. Here are the wells, the springs that come down the river, go under the sanctuary, and a thousand cubits is ankle deep. Yeah, amen. Is that a coincidence? No. God wants you to understand the region that He's planted you in for what reason? So this is a, a little higher view. So here's the first one. This is ankle deep. So a thousand cubits, now it's knee deep, right? If you go down into this area of the... It's deeper. Now you go down to another thousand cubits and it's waist deep. So you can cross it, but uh, you probably won't get your head wet. Now you get down closer to where the uh, inlet to the Connecticut River is, and it's way too deep, and you're not going to cross it without swimming. You have to understand that you're in a place appointed by God. Before you were in your mother's womb, He knew you. So what do you want to be trained up for in God? Have you said, I'm already trained up? I already know what I need to know and I'm just kind of waiting? Or maybe you're saying, no, nah, next year maybe. Let somebody else do it. Do you already know how to walk in the Spirit, tapping into the Word of God and the resources of heaven so that you can bring them back to the earth and declare it? Do you, are you, do you already know how to do that? If the airport has been prophetically placed in this region to testify of Jacob's ladder, ascending and descending, the sons of God, to you, how badly do you want the authority of Jesus who is in you to break out So you can speak to sickness and it obeys and gives way to healing. So you can speak to witchcraft and its works are nullified. So you can speak to the lying and the perverse spirits and they bow in brokenness and they give way and they're being replaced by the truth and the righteousness of God. Do you want to speak to the corrupt strongholds and see them toppled? Because that's God's plan. That's what God has planned for you. That you walk in the kind of an authority and an anointed place and a place called the upper valley that you give yourself to learning. You give yourself to the labor and to the work required to be the son. That you figure out a way how to get through the narrow gate and the things that are opposing you to try and convince you, now let them do it. Do you want to possess the gates of your enemies and require the things that go on around you to be according to His Word? That's what He wants for you. That's what He wants. He wants you to walk in the kind of victory that when there is a stronghold or something happening to your family or your loved ones or your home or your job and it's demonically inspired, He wants you to already be prepared by the growing up of a son, to speak to the stronghold and declare that it's toppled. 
He wants you to be the one that goes into the heavenly realms from the airport to ascend into the spiritual places and topple Satan's throne that has been allowed to be in this place too long. When he says it's time to grow up and to be a son, we've let that one locomotive pull the story, pull the path, pull the work, and they're exhausted. They're exhausted. And they've been exhausted. And they're crying out for help because they already knew 50 years ago that God was calling them to a place 3,000 miles across the United States and to live in a place called the Upper Valley because it was an assignment of God that He predestined to speak to a body and a people to believe His works, to believe He is who He said He was, to lend themselves to training, to lend themselves to gaining the knowledge to lend themselves to going into being the Son, to know how to go into heavenly places, to grab hold of what is in God and release it on the earth. So the kingdoms of my God are the kingdoms of this world. That's what you're called to do. It's time to grow up and to walk in what God has as true sons to make Himself known through you. Or we can sit back and just be a consumer, finding ways to come to church and to be fed the milk and to be fed the things and let that one locomotive continue to carry the burden because they're not ever going to stop. They understand their authority. They understand their commission. They understand their responsibility in Christ Jesus. Do you? Are you beginning to understand the geographical area and what you're called to? Now God wants to expand your influence. He is revealing through you. Are you willing to take on more of the responsibility? Or will you sit back and let others do it and let that one locomotive just be completely exhausted and worn out? and enjoy the benefits of the ride without lending your shoulder to the burden. This is what Tabernacles spoke to me. I hope it's speaking to you. I don't know if it is or not. But I can tell you, I understand this place has been created by God. I understand that this is a prophetic place. This is a prophetic region. I understand that there's an apostolic call to this place. I understand that there are foundations that were laid in this place by our forefathers because they followed the winds of the Holy Spirit and they laid a foundation. And so the question is, are you willing to rise up in your call and the authority as a son to partner in a place of unity like we haven't partnered before. with This is my fifth building experience in this place. There have been five major building ex, uh, expansions in the past 30 years in this place. This is the fifth one. 
Fifth one is grace. Fifth represents equipping. Folks, that's where we are. On the back board, there is an aerial view of the Cornerstone Community Center. And God and His wisdom and His plan and that methodical way that God thinks that's beyond human thinking. God is not a man that He thinks like we do. But we can begin to see some of His plans, some of His ways, some of the order of God, some of the transparency of God. And we can see the Cornerstone Community Center and what, what, what makes my heart ache is there we worked for three or four months building a case statement to take to the banks and take to the places. And I put 15 of them back there on the table. Most of the 15 are still there two months later. Do you know what the vision is for the Cornerstone Community Center? Do you understand and do you know how God wants that facility to work into the fabric of what He created this region to become? Do you know the stronghold that continues to lie and maintain you're not going to get it? Do you know what the names of the spirits are who have been in this region for so long boasting about their arrogant, prideful plans? Do you know about the warfare that goes on every day to win this place in God? Route 14, double anointing, White River, in one picture represents a part of God's vision for this valley. Do you know what God wants to go on in that facility? how He wants to transform young people's lives, how He wants it to be a safe place, how He wants His voice to be going out, how He wants to be demonstrated the God of deliverance, the God of healing in this place. Do you know? It breaks my heart that those 15 things are still out there and you don't know. That you don't know what happened at Tabernacles Just one of the messages, Kathy stood up here a couple of weeks ago and summarized tabernacles. And for some of you, that was just a a 45-minute exhortation and, and you didn't go home broken over it. You didn't go home like energized and charged up over it like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. I'm called to be in this body and to function as a vital organ or a vital member. Folks, that's where we are. This is God's heart. This is what He wants you to experience in your life. And I'm hoping that when Kathy and Lonnie stand up here and ask for your prayers, that you take hours through the week praying for them. That one locomotive that has been carrying that burden for so long, that you say, I have been called to a place to shoulder the burden to further God's work in this valley of how we assembled it and put it together. Your destiny is a destiny of sonship. And the only way possible for that destiny to not be your experience 
is for you to do nothing. That's the only way it's not going to be fulfilled. Devil can't take it from you. Adversary can't take it from you. He's not stronger than the blood of Jesus. He's not stronger than the passion and the intent of God that I've just explained to you as the anointing over this region. It's bigger than all of us. It's bigger than every adversary. But the way that you can agree with your adversary is just to do nothing. And sit back and let somebody else do it. He will have won. He will have achieved his goal to have another one not be and embrace the destiny that is written about you in the books of heaven. So I'm asking you to give yourself to training and learning and prayer. I'm asking you to give yourself as a son to understanding his word. I'm asking you as a son to be one of those individuals that goes to the Lebanon airport in the spirit and ascends into heavenly places to understand the region and what is happening in this place. To come on Sunday prepared to give. To prepared to be a part, releasing an anointing, releasing a favor of God. Releasing the truth and the wisdom. Releasing the righteousness. Every time you see something that's wrong, don't go to Kathy and Lonnie and point out. Go to them with a solution. Go to them with an example of you've, you, have, you have been in the heavenly places, you've taken the burden to the throne room of God, and here's what He told you, and here's your responsibility in carrying that through. That's sonship. That's real sonship. That's authority. And as you begin to do that, it will be greater and greater and greater until you're one of the elders sitting at the gate permitting and denying entry into the city based on the Word of God. The walls are being rebuilt. The righteousness of God is on a track that will not be denied. But will you participate in it? And we started out, and most of you raised your hand, yes, I'm called to this place. It's not going to be easy. It's going to stress you and try you in every way imaginable. But God says, you are a body of overcomers all the days of your life. All the days of your life. And and that overcoming, He's already determined it. And so, yes, it will be hard. Jesus said it's hard The narrow gate is hard. That's what he said. And few find it. And broad is the way. And many people are going there. The way of destruction. So I hope as as I close on the message today that you're not uh, listening to accusing spirits. That you're not listening to Spirits that want to minister failure in what you haven't done because this is a season of tabernacles where all things are new again. There is fresh grace. And you happen to go to a church called Praise Chapel where there's a double anointing and double favor upon your life. And that favor is without repentance. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah.
Be good if you would rehearse this word. Be good if you would ask the Lord uh, by ascending into the heavenly realms, what's my part? It can't be like my neighbor's part or it's their life. It has to be personal and intimate. It has to be yours. There will be Bible studies coming up. Kathy and Lonnie have already said they want to have Bible studies and training again because 50 years ago they understood what their call was in this region. And we're to a place right now on that picture that's up on that board. Cornerstone Community Center, now it is bigger than one person. And that one locomotive can't pull it anymore. And they're not going to give up. And that's where we're going to come alongside. And we're going to shoulder the load. And we're going to do the things that we can do that are impossible, but born of God's heart. Amen? Hallelujah. Yes. Yes, uh, let's use this one. Ben, we're going to switch over now to 14. Okay. Yes, Lord. Beautiful. I just um, want to encourage you. The Lord um, raised the standard during the Feast of Tabernacles, and he brought an activation that has prepared us since the Feast for this day, for this word. This is a deep, heavy word. And I want to encourage you, like Sean said, don't let the enemy come with condemnation. Receive this word. Let it bear fruit in your heart in this season that we not strive in our own physical strength to do things, but that we move in the realm of the Spirit. For in this season, the day of the watchmen have been called to awaken and stand upon the walls of the city. The cry has been going out, and today he has come. His presence is here. We have been saturated with this revelatory word, prophetic word from God for such a time as this. I receive this word. Father, we receive this word as a body and we say yes to you today. I pray that you would be strengthened, that you would receive power from on high to walk in places that you have never walked before. That you would be strengthened in the power and the might of Jesus in these days to accomplish all that he's hoped and dreamed of for such a time as this. There is power in agreement. When we agree with the word of God, the word says one sends a thousand but two sin, 10,000. In our own mind, that doesn't add up because God is a God of the supernatural. He is about to do things that we have hoped and dreamed for. And when we come together in agreement, there is power. So I encourage you this Wednesday... We are going to meet for prayer as we did last week at the CCC. 
That's how I think, if it's okay, Sean, that we should end that day. It's a work day. Please come. Please come for one hour and let us stand together. Weeks ago, as we were praying right here, Kathy had a vision of doors being pushed open. We are at those doors right now. We are pushing them open. We need everyone in agreement with what God is doing in these days to see those doors completely pushed open that his kingdom would be established in our midst in this season. Yes, Debbie? Okay, come on up and share it. I just bless you. I bless you today. Thank you, Brother Sean, for this word. I thought this was fitting. Um, It talks a little bit about the springs, um, the repair of the breach, and um, the foundations of the coming generations. So so this is Isaiah 58. Um, I'll start at 11. It says, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasures and not speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll be blessed today and encouraged. We're not praying today. Um, We'll do that. Can we do that next week? Uh, Come prepared. Uh, Jackie had it on her heart yesterday. Uh, so everybody knows. I'm not trying to embarrass her. Um, she had it on her heart yesterday as we were working over at the Cornerstone. And uh, we were all kind of saying what our bodies felt like and, you know, aches and pains. Debbie fell down behind the sink and smashed her hip on the on the concrete. And Kathy and Lonnie just so... Jackie wanted to pray for us. But I feel like with this word, if you all go home and you spend a few hours in prayer on your own for Kathy and Lonnie, I feel it could be so much more powerful, so much more important, so much more uh, healing next week uh, when they're here. Uh, And so I'm not trying to disregard what was in your heart. Okay. Okay.